From the APR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. As always, this podcast brought to you by APR Creations, bringing you the best of internet marketing and website development for an affordable price. Also by the Unconquered Podcast Shop. Be sure to visit that and grab some swag. I'm going to have some other stuff in there for too long as well. So um, I'm going to do, this is a, this is sort of that midweek deal where having had a chance to go back and, and take a little closer look and a little bit more perspective on, on the game uh, from uh, against NC state, I've got some, some other thoughts in addition to what I, what I had in the hot takes podcast. So just coming, coming with a few of those. Uh, one thing I will say is watching this game, you know, going through this game the second time and getting some distance from it doesn't make it easier. <laughs> it doesn't make it better in terms of a loss. Uh, watching that game again, I think if those two teams played this game again, you'd basically expect Florida State to win eight or nine out of those ten times. Based on what I what I'm seeing on 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 this 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 was a bad loss, you know I'm 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 looking at basically what happened here, and ultimately my my read on this is yeah Florida State got some some explosives kind of strung them together in the in the second quarter that led to the points for them, but they got about as little out of the amount that they moved the ball as they could. They they had some opportunities that they blew. Uh, you look at the Malik McLean drop in the end zone where he had a chance to go up and, and, and make a catch there. And Florida state comes up empty on that trip. I mean, that, that should, that's a should be touchdown when you've got a mismatch there. It's a well-thrown ball. Just didn't make the catch. Didn't make the play. And there are three plays in the second half where, without any one of them, I think Florida State wins the game going away. You've got the uh, Gibbons personal foul where you, know, you watch that again, and you know I thought it live. It's all the more the case. Otherwise, you watch that again, and yeah, he's he's blocking just a little bit late, you know, through the whistle, but the guy's blocking pulls him, you know, pulls his arm back on top of him to draw that foul. And you know it's a good play. It's, it's what you what you want your guy to do to draw a fifteen yard penalty. But that penalty led to then the next of the three plays that that ultimately changed the game, and that's the the punt beyond the line of scrimmage. That play it, without that play, Florida State wins this game. And then you've got the interception at the end there. And looking at, I, I went back and took a look at uh, at what Norvell does on offense there and what the quarterback's reads are supposed to be and, and all of that. And that's just a misread by Jordan Travis. He thought he had inside leverage. Uh, that's something you have to check immediately. If you're going to go there, you have to check that immediately on the post-snap. Leverage jumped outside. You've got to get that You've got to get that to the uh, opposite side. As soon as it's outside leverage, man, that's supposed to work the other side. And he, he just didn't do it. Uh, he should have been able to... He should have anticipated, actually, by the, the alignment of the secondary that that was not going to be inside leverage. But once again, uh, you know, it, it, it he should be the, the way that that play works for the, for the quarterback is inside leverage. Press is an alert to the, to the fade. 
any outside leverage man type coverage. So single safety outside leverage, you work the opposite side. You work the the side with the read, and then there's a little wheel uh, to the to the running back. You work that side to any outside leverage man or or single safety stuff. That's what he should have done. He didn't do it. Uh, he didn't identify it in time. Just threw based on pre snap, and you always have to check your pre snap. You can't just rely on pre snap, and that's that's where that play went went bad. But uh, any one of those three plays in the second half changes, and it's a completely different game. And you know, the thing is, it, it, with all of those, and and don't forget the the drop by Pokey Wilson to uh, that would have gotten it down to about fourth and three in in field goal range. That was another. Uh, at least, you know, likely field goal uh, attempt inside the 20. Or, you know, they go for it on fourth and two or so. And they come away with nothing on that one. So, I mean, there, there's just, there were a lot of missed opportunities for Florida State in this game. And again, you look at the numbers and, you know, FSU averaged, what, uh, 6.7 yards per play and got 17 points out of it. That's That's really bad. They found a way to to minimize how much they got out of out of the actual production that they got in this game, and NC State averaged four point four yards per play. And frankly, watching this game, if they played this game ten times, I'm not sure that NC State ever goes over five yards a play. That's that's why I think Florida State wins this game over and over and over again. If you play this ten times, because there were opportunities for FSU to make plays. And they made a few. They just didn't make very many. There were almost no plays to be had for NC State beyond what FSU just gave them. They handed them points. And, you know, you've got the two turnovers and then what amounts to a third turnover there. You know, that, that, that was it. That's the ball game. But NC State was not moving the football. And, you know, Florida State's offensive line struggled in this game, but that was expected. You know, NC State's got one of the best, as I talked about in the, pre, uh, in the pregame, NC State's got one of the best defensive fronts Florida State will play. And it looked like it. They, they struggled at different points, moving them to, to where they wanted to go. But they were able to provide some running room here and there. And ultimately got some plays out of it. But I think in I think there were a couple factors in the running game that really changed some things. One is that I think they still are running in this kind of game they needed to run Jordan Travis more. There were some opportunities on some pulls that he should have pulled the ball or it should have been a pull call and there's yardage there. Uh and then I think they really badly missed Treshawn Ward after he got hurt in the second quarter. And that, that changed the game. Uh, Ward, so I, I don't think the coaching staff really adjusted to not having Ward on the field. And I'm not honestly sure that they recognized how much of a difference he is in terms of what he brings to the table as a runner against better defensive lines. That That's something, you know, I talked about this after the LSU game and talked about it again I've talked about it again a couple times this year. Ward on the year has been a better runner against really good fronts than either of the other two. And it's not close. 
And the reason for that is is vision and and the way that he finds run lanes and he makes his offensive line right over and over again. So, and that matters more when your offensive line, when things are not exactly right. Ward is one of those guys, one of those backs where things don't all have to be right for him to make the offensive line right. And, you know, I, I, this is something I, I've, I've talked to a number of offensive linemen over the years and they get frustrated by listening to, to media and fans talk about expectations for the offensive line because it's just not realistic. I mean, in the pros, those guys are getting paid on the other side, too. And in college, those guys are on scholarship, too. You, you don't expect the offensive line to, you know, to have it happen like it's drawn up every time. You just have to have a body on a body a bunch. And ultimately, it's up to the running back to make plays, to make his offensive line right. And that's something that Ward does really well. Something that a guy like uh, Devontae Freeman did fantastically well. I mean, you look at the difference between someone like Devontae and a guy like Carlos Williams, who is much more physically talented or Wilder. You know, James Wilder Jr., who is much more physically talented than Devontae Freeman. But Freeman was a much better back. And part of that was that the vision and his ability to jump cut and find space wherever it was, was outstanding. And that's why he had a long NFL career. Relatively long for a, for a running back. Uh, and you've got the same kind of qualities with Ward. That's what he that's what he brings to the table. Is he's one of those guys that finds space that other backs often don't. And, you know, Benson, that's more of a weakness of his his at this point. He's a guy that he still runs a little tentative and in the vision part of it, he's still kind of getting back in rhythm after all of that stuff with the injury and everything else. Once you get him into the clear and it's a breakaway type situation or he's he's into the linebackers, you'd rather have Benson than Ward. He's more likely to take it to the house. But when you're talking about getting, you know, a five or six yard chunk out of something that's not perfectly blocked, that's where you really need Ward on the field. That's where the difference has been this year. Ward has been way better than either Benson or Toafili in that respect. That's something, by the way, I think Hill, the freshman, actually has shown flashes of being able to do better than either of the other two as well. So I think with Ward out, that's where I think you probably ought to give Hill some extra looks. Now, of course, you've got another joining the backfield as well. Uh, you're going to see Ja'Kai Douglas back there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he or Hill actually get in that rotation or if either does this week against against Clemson. But Hill's a guy I, I think has shown enough that I'd probably give him a look even this week against Clemson precisely because they're such a good defensive line. And you need somebody who is more of a natural vision type runner to to handle things when things are not perfect up front. But anyway, yeah, Florida State things were not perfect up front. And, you know, in the second half, first half, both first and second half, there were, there were times where basically it took a good run from the running back just to get back to the line of scrimmage or get, get yardage. But that's fine. That's what you kind of expect against a good defensive line. And they were able to do that with Ward on the field in particular. Didn't have as much success once he went to the sideline. And then you've got, you know, what was happening with NC State where, their offensive line got dominated way worse than Florida State's did at any point in this game. I mean, they averaged 4.4 yards per play, not just because they couldn't throw the ball, but because they couldn't run it. 
Florida State's sack sack adjusted rush average was eight yards uh, eight yards a carry. NC State's is four point two. Now some of that is because of a big uh, a big couple long runs for Florida State, so that changes that. But if we just take those out and we look at success rate, if we look at run stuffed percentage, NC State ran the football and had nine runs stuffed. Florida State only had six stuffed. So all in all, NC State, this game got played nine or 10 times. I think they would have had trouble scoring 17 or more in more than five of those or six of those. I don't think they moved the football. They can't throw it. And they certainly couldn't throw it once, uh, once Leary got hurt. But, you know, again, you play 10 times, odds are he doesn't get hurt. But you look at what they were able to do in terms of limiting NC State in the running game, just completely choking out their passing game. The, if Florida State doesn't repeatedly give them short field after short field and gift them some field goals, NC State may score 14 or 17 points in any game. You know, if this game gets played, rolled back 10 times, I think they, I think they average about 14 points a game, maybe 10. So, like I said, this is a game where if I'm going back and looking at this at, at the, as the Florida State coaching staff, I'm, I'm sick. I'm just sick to my stomach because I, I flushed one that I know I was, I, I know I had the better team. I know I was in position to win and just let it slip away. Some really, really poor situational play ultimately let this game slip away. And that's something they've just got to get better at. This this team has to learn how to close out games. And to some degree, that's a learning to win phenomenon. That's a learning to win thing. And this team still, when it gets into certain situations, still presses. This is a team that's not used to success. It's not used to being up 14 on the road against a top 25 team. And that NC State team, I don't think, especially without Leary, they're not a top 25 team. It's a very good defense, but offensively, they're they're not very good. And without Leary, they're going to really struggle. I mean, I think that team may win, may lose, you know, three or four games down the stretch. And this should have been one of them. Pause for a moment to thank my sponsors here. I'm going to thank uh, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. Best in the business out in Jacksonville. If you have any real estate needs out there, he's going to make sure you're taken care of. Trained as a videographer and photographer, your, your house, if you have to list a house out there, nobody is going to have your house looking better for online, which is where most people find that, find houses these days. Give Lewis a call. Let him know you heard about, heard about him from the Unconquered podcast. Also want to thank Shenandoah Newsma of ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, Carborough, North Carolina, the Research Triangle. If you have any real estate needs in the Research Triangle, give Shen a call. She's the best in the business up here. Nobody will out-research her. Not many, not many uh, PhD Real realtors out there, Shen's one of them. Best in the business. If you have any needs in the research triangle, give her a holler. Let her know you heard about her from the Unconquered podcast. And one other thing I think that was that stood out to me, and 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 this sort of I alluded to a little bit earlier when I said I didn't think they really adjusted to not having Ward on the field, is I think going back and looking at the at the second half, I thought the overall approach offensively was something that this offensive staff wishes they could have back. They they got too conservative on first down and second half with a 14 point lead. I, I look, I think this is what happened. 
they had a 14 point lead against a team that look, they, they watched the same first half I did. And you know, they're coaching that first half. And when I, after watching that first half, I was pretty sure Florida state was going to win that football game just because NC state wasn't going to score the 14 points they'd need. It's like, there's no way NC state scores 14 points in the second half with the way that they looked against FSU against that FSU defense. They, they were, I mean, think about this in the first half. And this is with Leary on the field. First half numbers, 133 total yards, 3.6 yards per carry on 16 attempts, 75 total pass yards, 4.4 yards per play. Same yards per play, by the way, they had 4.5 yards per play in the second half. But I mean, you look at those numbers and you're like, look, unless, unless we go out there and we absolutely choke all over ourselves, I'm, there's no way that they score enough points. If they have to just drive the field each, each, each time, there's no way that they get 14 points driving, you know, with long drives in this game. And I think, honestly, what it looked like to me. So Florida State averaged 8.4 yards per play in the first, in the first half and four yards per play in the second. What it looked like to me is they came out in the second half knowing, look, this is a good defense. We don't want to put ourselves in a position where we're going to make any stupid mistakes. We're going to force NC State to earn it from 14 points down. We don't think they can score 14 points. We're just going to we're going to we're going to run the football, shorten the game and get out of here. That I'm confident that was the that was the plan in the second half. And I think it was the wrong plan. I think actually if Ward had been there in the second half, they probably win the game doing that. Because Ward's going to make the offensive line right enough times that they're going to be able to get a few first downs, really change the change some field position, and continue to put themselves in in good spots. But if you look at if you look at what happened, I'm just going to go through the first downs in the in the second half. First and ten on the first drive of the second half. First down run. Toafili rush left for four yards for negative four for a loss of four. So then. Your long yardage, your again, your four, second and fourteen, and you've got then a drop that happens on third and seven after a seven yard gain, punt, get the ball back after punt, run uh, run for fourteen yards on first down. That's uh, Jordan Travis. So again, I think they needed to run Travis more in the second half. If they were going to run it, it needed to be Travis doing doing that more. But then first and ten, again. Trey Benson, three yards up the middle, then second and seven, incomplete pass, third and seven, incomplete pass. And then we get to uh, the next drive. So they, they get that uh, after, after a field goal. And let's see, next drive, uh, pass for nine yards. And then you get the rush up the middle for one yard loss. That then becomes third and 17 because of the penalty. So that's one... One out of four first first down attempts in the third quarter was a pass play. Then we get into the fourth quarter, and you have the disastrous punt situation, which the defense actually takes them back 30 yards. Okay, well, there you go. And they kick the field goal. So then you get the you get the ball first and 10, and now it's 17-16. First play, first and 10, rush up the middle, zero. Second 10. Passing complete, third and ten, passing complete. Then you got a punt. So that's one out of five first downs that's that's a pass play. 
Then you have again, you get the ball now, you're down two points, and you have the interception on first and 10. That's what they were trying to avoid in those earlier ones, right? You don't throw in first and 10 so that you don't end up doing anything stupid, but now you have to. That kind of shows exactly what I was talking about in terms of, I'm pretty sure that they they ultimately wanted to take this game out of the passing game's hands, out of Jordan Travis's hands, because against that secondary, in those situations, they weren't real confident that this was a, a good matchup. And if you're up 14, just run the football, extend the game and get out of there. But they couldn't run it in the third quarter. And by the time they got it back again, now you've only thrown it on first down one out of five times. Four of those, those runs, three of those four go for negative yardage or, you know, basically nothing, nothing or nothing or negative. So essentially that, that basically is why NC state was able to claw back into the game. That in some really bad situational play. And then you have the interception. The defense gets a, gets a stop. And then drive starting with at 425, first down and 10, Toafili rush left for one yard. Once again, you are, uh, you're throwing on second nine. First down again, uh, Travis rush middle. Okay, that, that's, that's a scramble, and you're fine with that. First and 10, Travis throwing this time. So I think really where this game, just in terms of my thinking about how, how this second half went, I said in the pregame that I thought that Florida State should come out throwing a decent amount in this game against that front, that I thought that was their best chance, particularly getting some one-on-ones, taking some shots down the field, and using the big bodies that they had against, uh, against those corners who had had some problems against big-bodied receivers earlier in the year. They didn't do that enough, in my opinion, in the second half if I'm evaluating this, if I'm doing a self-scout, my self-scout is should have taken a couple shots on first down in the second half. Not regular passing game. This is not a team that I want to do a lot of possession passing against for exactly the reasons that we just saw. Two interceptions once they started trying to throw it. But this is a team that if you can get the one-on-one matchups, and they did get some one-on-one matchups. I mean, on that last play, they had one-on-one to the bottom of the screen with Johnny Wilson up one-on-one against the receiver. Take those shots. Think players, not plays. Take those shots. Let your let your big-bodied receiver, and, and where they did move the football, they, they got some of that. In fact, on that last drive, the one where you had that interception, the big play on that last drive was Johnny Wilson... Deep right, 31 yards. That was the biggest play. And they needed to go back to that well a couple more times. Whether it was Wilson or one of the other big receivers getting, but I think it needed to be Wilson, uh, frankly. But uh, basically, they needed to use that one-on-one on the short side of the field where the, you know they were insisting on saying in that trips or trio kind of formation. That's fine. Just... Use that matchup on the on the short side, the one on one that you that you were able to get. Use that for some back shoulders, for some aggressive plays downfield a little bit more early. Fourteen points, I thought was probably going to be enough because I thought they'd probably score you know three points here, you know maybe maybe a touchdown in the second half, and they score a touchdown and this game's out of reach. But two scores is just not enough. I don't think you go into that kind of run on first down every time mode until you're up three scores at minimum. And I think they went into that early. I think that ultimately cost them. 
I understand the thinking. And I think there's a certain lack of trust right now with Jordan Travis on, on certain things and not just with Travis, but with the whole passing game right now in against that kind of caliber of secondary. And understandably they did throw two interceptions there. But again, I think the key here is they needed to be more aggressive going down the field, taking some shots, using some verticals where you're very unlikely to throw interceptions, but you're likely to get some, some plays even if it's just interferences that change change the field position and do some of those things that they needed to do in the second half. And I think that's really where self scouting if I'm if I'm the Norvell staff that's really where I'm focused. That's that's one of the things that I'm taking as away as a lesson from this game. So looking forward, what does that mean? I think the 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 first thing is when I look forward to the Clemson game, Clemson's offense is better than NC State's and that's why they beat NC State. They've got more guys who scare you. For one, they're you know their running back is a guy that can take it to the house at any point. So they got a big play, a big playmaker there. They've got a few receivers that scare you more. I think at quarterback it's a wash between Leary and and DJ. But I think overall Clemson's offense, you're going to go in and expect them to score over twenty, at least against NC State. Watching that game. Like I said, I think they'd struggle to get to 17 more than once or twice out of 10 against Florida State's defense. Against Clemson, I think you're counting on them scoring, say, 24 as you know, or more as an average. So it's a very different situation against, against Clemson. I think in terms of offensively, it also... Clemson now is going to be closer to full strength. They've not been full strength on defense all year. And actually so far on the year, Florida State's defense has actually outperformed Clemson's through most of the season. But now they're getting back just in time for Florida State. They're getting back their their top two defensive linemen, which I think changes things. So we'll talk about that more in the next in the next podcast. But bottom line to me is going back and looking at that NC State NC State game. Florida State should be 5 and 1. They know it. That one hurts. They're just going to have to learn to win those games. They're going to have to learn how to close things out when things aren't ideal. They're going to have to learn how to be better situationally in key situations. And we'll go ahead and wrap it there. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach in Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.